0: All right, let's talk about money. 2016 was supposed to be the year of the billionaire donor and the super PAC.
1: Starting today, Bush's super
0: PAC. A super PAC allied with Cruz has thrown the first punch. You promise to spend up to a million dollars of your own money. Hillary Clinton taking a large leap this week is the first Democratic presidential candidate of the super PAC era. Instead, it's the year that the $27 donation became the biggest story in campaign finance. This is No One Knows Anything, The Politics Podcast from BuzzFeed News. I'm Evan McMara Santoro, and we're talking today about campaign money. Here's what we knew about it before the cycle began. Everyone has to have it, but no one wants to talk about it. Voters don't like billionaires, but candidates need them if they want to be president. No billionaires, no victory. Well, we were wrong about that. Bernie Sanders has done something no one thought was possible run a competitive campaign without any of the unsavory fundraising stuff that voters hate and without being a billionaire himself or being whatever Donald Trump is. He's running an expensive campaign for president paid for by his donors. The average donation is just $27. We're going to talk about how that happened and to one of the donors who made it happen. We're also going to talk to another candidate who's trying to pull off a Sanders-style fundraising coup at the local level DeRay McKesson is a Black Lives Matter activist running as an outsider candidate for mayor of Baltimore. Today, I'm joined by Tarini Party, who covers campaign finance, among other things, at the D.C. Bureau of BuzzFeed Politics with me. Tarini, hello. Hi. Thanks for coming in.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: So, let's just dive right into this topic, talking about money. We know there's a lot of money that goes into campaigns. Mm -hmm. It comes from all different places. You have your campaign committee. That's you know Evan for America, that's mm-hmm. my which that's my thing right Evan for <laughs> America a uh, a cat gif in every pot. It's going to be my campaign slogan. And what tell me what Mike so what does my campaign committee do and what uh, what what are, what are the fundraising limitations on?
2: It? Mm-hmm. So a campaign committee can raise twenty seven hundred dollars from individual donors up to twenty seven hundred dollars. Um, and that's the amount that's the money you're going to use for travel when the candidate is traveling uh, to air ads for the campaign. You know, all your operations, all the money that you're going to use for your campaign is going to come out of that campaign committee. So, okay.
3: Okay. even
2: though you know you have a you have a contribution limit, you're going to need to raise a lot of money because you're going to be traveling and the country.
0: That's federal law says. Yes,
2: for your campaign. Okay,
0: committee. so I'm going to need a lot more than that because. I have a lot of skeletons in my closet and I'm going to need to really bombard the airwaves with positive messaging to earn the trust of voters who are, you know, smartly, very skeptical of me becoming president of the United States. Right. There are other ways that I can do that. And one of the big, big ways we do it now is the super PAC. Yes. This is a we hear this all the time. Super PAC, super PAC. It's like the Death Star. What exactly is a super PAC?
2: So a super PAC, first off, now that we've already talked about the campaign committee, super PAC, campaign committee, two totally separate entities. And in theory, they are not legally allowed to coordinate. So a former aide or a friend of you, Evan, I don't know. Do you have friends?
0: I, I'm, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have a couple, I think.
2: Your friend Mike
0: Uh
2: um, is going to start a super PAC for you because even though you have skeletons in your closet, he believes in your message and wants you to be president and maybe wants to be your chief of staff. Okay. So he starts the super PAC, which can get unlimited amounts of money from donors, corporations, and that way he can raise a lot of money really quickly and start airing ads on your behalf.
0: So with the super pack I can raise unlimited donations.
2: Mike can. You can. Yeah,
0: right. But the $2700 <laughs> this guy Mike by the way, this 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 uh this non-existent Mike is really making out like a bandit in this thing. The the $2700 donation that is that is sort of what the law has set up to hogtie my fundraising on my campaign committee. That is just like Nothing when it comes to Super PAC. Super PAC, I could get twenty-seven million dollars in one donation. Yeah,
2: you could get a billion. You could get whatever you want.
0: I get whatever I want.
2: If Mike is good enough at convincing these donors, they can they can write a check as large as they want.
0: Nevertheless, right, there is always some blowback to this. You don't see a candidate on the campaign stump being like, "Well, I was just hanging out with this oil baron, and he was telling me this thing, and then he wrote me this huge check." Right? They don't talk about it. It's not. It's not a great. Doesn't play well. This is what every can every candidate running for president did this model that you that you just described. They had their campaign committee, they had the super pack, right? Even candidates that did made basically zero impact on the election, like a Rick Santorum or a Martin O'Malley, right? This guy had a super pack. They had super Martin O'Malley from the, the on the Democrats side, Rick on the Republican mm-hmm. side. These guys had super PACs. And these super packs were raising great sums of money. Bernie Sanders did not set up a super PAC for himself.
2: He did not, and neither did his friends. He didn't have a mic or former aides.
0: Right. He didn't ask for one. He didn't want one, right? Yeah. There is a super PAC that does support Bernie that is run by, the nurse, by, by a nurses union, National Nurses United, but he still is the only candidate without a super PAC specifically set up for his campaign, correct?
1: Yes. I do not have a super PAC. And I do not want a superpower.
0: We thought that was crazy, right? When we heard about that.
1: We thought it was crazy.
2: We thought it
0: was. We thought he was doomed, right?
2: (laughs) Everyone thought he was doomed.
0: So, okay. So what happens?
2: So he's. He
0: he just crashes and burns immediately and is just a complete failure, right? (laughs) Is that what happens?
2: (laughs) Well, that's what, uh, you know, the Beltway media or whatever thought, you know, everyone wrote him off. Um, you know, I'm sure I did stories. Actually, I know I did stories, um, saying that uh, you know Bernie Sanders isn't going to have any fundraisers. How is he going to raise the money? But what we all ignored was the 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 strength of online fundraising.
0: Well, give me the big overview. How much has he raised without? having any of the machinery that anybody else has
2: yeah so you know our understanding is he's raised about 112 million just from these small donors um and a lot of these donors are giving three dollars four dollars uh but giving that small contribution several times through something that's called act blue it's it uh helps donors give small dollar contributions to democratic candidates they can set it up so that they give five dollars every month and it gets automatically taken out of their account.
0: So one hundred and twelve million dollars. We need to put that in perspective, because when Jeb Bush raised one hundred million dollars at the beginning of the campaign for a super PAC, that number was so huge that his campaign thought that other candidates were going to drop out or not run at all because of how much money he raised. But Jeb couldn't really talk right about where that money came from versus Bernie Sanders is a hundred million dollars, which is a great story in the campaign trail. You can talk endlessly about where the money came from. You can talk about all the small donors that gave it to you. You can talk about how much they gave. You can talk about how often they gave it. So I called up a guy named Adam Smith about this. Adam is the communications director at every voice, which is a nonprofit in Washington that works to sort of raise the voice of regular people in politics. I asked him what the piece of the puzzle was that, we reporters and experts and observers didn't have going into the election that let us have these two separate stories about a hundred million dollars.
3: For a long time, we have seen in the polling that we do and in the research we do on this issue that there's a real public anger about money in politics and about the influence of big donors in the political system. It is really amazing, Bernie Sanders' ability to raise the amount of money he's raised in small donations. I I do think he's the exception to the rule, and and I don't think you're gonna see people up and down the ballot raise this kind of money, but it really does show that there's an appetite out there for candidates who are willing to make uh, taking on the millionaires and billionaires as a central part of their uh, platform.
0: My, my my favorite part about twenty sixteen is that everybody has a Bernie Sanders impression. <laughs> I don't know that Adams is that good, frankly, <laughs> but I think that I think that what he was do yours,
2: saying, Evan. You got to do yours now.
0: Uh, mine's not that good either. I really mine's sort of just like of an angry like. I like the I like how Bernie Sanders does this thing. Where when he talks, he starts out really loud, and then he gets down to the pot yeah. where he says, "We're going
2: to explore that,"
0: and then he moves on to the next <laughs> thing. That's right. I love I love when he does the step down to the end of a sentence. That's That's, the, good. My, that's my favorite Bernie Sanders. You've
2: clearly, spent some time with them. <laughs>
0: I have. I spent I spent many. I, I I think I've listened to his stump speech probably I don't know conservatively eighty five thousand times. But what Adam was saying, right, so I'm, we're going to talk, you know, this question of whether or not this can, this can be something that other candidates can do is a very important part of this story that we're telling today. But I'm going to play a clip that I think shows just how much people really hate big donors and big fundraisers. Hillary Clinton recently traveled to California for a dinner. The ticket price was $353,000 per couple. Do you look at it yourself and think that's an obscene amount of money?
1: Yes. I think it's an obscene amount of money.
0: So that's George Clooney, the host of the event. He went on Meet the Press to basically apologize for creating one of the most successful events on Clinton's recent calendar. I think that, you know, we had some protesters last night when we uh, when we pulled up in San Francisco. And they're right to protest. They're absolutely right. It is an obscene amount of money. The Sanders campaign when they talk about it is
4: absolutely right. It's ridiculous that we should have this kind of money in politics. I agree.
0: So when you think of sort of the evil billionaire donor, you don't think of George Clooney. He's not an evil oil baron type. You know, he's like one of the most well-loved people on the entire planet. And even he cannot pull off big dollar fundraising without taking flack for it. We didn't expect The voters to be fired up by that particular idea. Right. That they believe it much more than we thought. And they were not willing at all. At least a significant amount of Democratic progressive voters Mm -hmm. were not willing to buy into the idea from a guy like Martin O'Malley or a person like Secretary Clinton that money doesn't matter.
2: And I think part of that is also that Bernie Sanders, you you said you've listened to his stump speech, you know, who knows how many times, but he is relentless in sort of drilling that in.
0: I mean, a remarkable thing about this money is if you go to a, to a Sanders stump speech these days, you hear Sanders do this amazing thing where he leads them up to talking about where his money comes from. And it becomes like a like a like a party chant. They talk about how much money it is here. This is this is this is a version from one of the recent dumb speeches.
1: We have up to this point in the campaign received over six million individual campaign contributions. Anyone here know what the average contribution is? That's exactly right. Smart crowd.
0: I mean, it's hard to imagine a crowd. a smart crowd. crowd. It's very smart. It's hard to imagine a crowd of Hillary Clinton supporters, her being like, and the amount of money I raised from Wall Street is, and, they're like, and like, they all shout it out, and they all cheer really loudly about how much money she's raised from Wall Street, right?
2: Yeah. You
0: can't really imagine that happening. I think that clip is the best example of what is so weird about the Bernie Sanders campaign when it comes to campaign finance this is a guy. He gets up on stage and he is touts and touts and touts how much money he's raised, and it's a lot of money. Okay, like mm-hmm. the guy flies around on a private jet. He's got he got everything every presidential campaign has, especially now. He's got Secret Service too. I mean, it's a real campaign.
2: He, he's clearly spending a lot of money, it's so a lot he needs of money. to raise it. Yeah,
0: but he but he's able to be so celebratory about mm-hmm. raising money because every time he raises it, it's just a big deal for him. Yeah. And so I think we should talk a bit about who the people who are in that crowd who are cheering about that $27.
2: Right. So, I mean, you know, you as you would imagine, a lot of these people are from – you know, liberal parts of the country, like Seattle, Portland, Boston, New York, Los Angeles, some of these donors, uh, you know, based on our research, give repeatedly. So uh, 29 people have donated to the campaign at least on 100 separate occasions. So that's pretty crazy. And, you know, this is key,
0: right? (laughs) Because the reason why they give donations over and over is that Sanders asked them to give donations over and over to show how strong his campaign Mm -hmm. is. We have a clip of that from after new hampshire
1: i'm going to hold a fundraiser right here right now across america my request is please go to berniesanders.com and contribute where he
0: wins new hampshire and he wants to spike the football and be like this is how we are a real campaign and let me tell you how we're going to do this cuz cuz he's like my opponents when they win they spend a lot of money, and they have to go off, and the first thing they're going to do is raise a ton of money at a fundraiser. He's like, well, let's have a fundraiser right now. So
1: there it is. That's a fundraiser.
0: That raised, I believe, $5 million <laughs> in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Let's meet one of those donors. Alan McLemore is this lawyer in Texas, and he told me about uh, why he gave money. He's one of these guys who gave money, I think, more than 100 mm-hmm. times. And the first thing you should know about him is he really does not like corporate power at all
1: will not give to candidates who we consider to be corporate connected. And because of that, the hold on just one second. I'm sorry okay. to interrupt, but I just uh just go ahead. I'm on the phone. Trouble. We've got the uh, Time Warner people here. It's another reason I want Bernie in start breaking up some of these, <laughs> these monopolies. This guy is Bernie, <laughs> Bernie Lamax.
0: I Literally, you can't call this guy on the phone without him, without him saying he wants to break up a monopoly. It was amazing.
1: Yeah, so we generally will give to candidates that we consider to not be corporate connected. If, if they have uh, corporate money behind them, we generally will not support them.
0: And how many times have you given to Bernie this cycle?
1: We give small donations, but honestly, we are pretty close or at the maxing out level right now.
0: Why did you do it like that and not just one big check in the beginning?
1: Tell exactly why. Clinton's supporters have, have most of them, a majority of them, have already maxed out. The reason why we have been giving small amounts is because we don't want to put Bernie in that position. And if he goes along, when he needs money for something, we want to be able to send him some
0: more. So this is a really fascinating look at the savviness of yeah. a Bernie Sanders donor. They use their small checks to help perpetuate this message. I mean, it's the whole thing is all – Sort of stitched together in a way that we've that I don't think we've ever really seen that much of, and we're not expecting to see it all.
2: He is really savvy to know that uh, you know, spacing it out, he can help him at different times and keep giving the small contribution.
0: I actually talked to Adam from Every Voice about this, about how Bernie Sanders's savviness with the fundraising process has made his campaign different from everyone else's.
3: Bernie hasn't spent any time traveling the country raising money, you know in in most presidential elections, Uh, Candidates, they travel the country like it's this giant monopoly board. They're just picking up checks wherever they can. And I think Sanders has had maybe a dozen fundraisers. Uh, He just hasn't had to do that. So that means he's had more time to be on the campaign trail, to be out there talking with people. And uh, he can use that message against Hillary Clinton. He can say, when I leave here, I'm not going to go to a Wall Street fundraiser. I'm going to go to another rally. And that message really resonates with people.
0: Seems great. Making all this money, great campaign moment for you, always good news. Uh, This idea of money is a necessary evil in your campaign, gone. You don't have to do that anymore. You can can have clean hands, a private plane, all the TV ads you want, right? Sounds great, right? But in your reporting uh, in campaign finance, the idea is that we're going to be raising Huge, huge sums. This is a very expensive general election. We're not going to have a Bernie Sanders style general election, most likely. Right? No,
2: I mean, you need to raise a lot, especially given that on both sides, the primaries dragged on for so long that you're going to need to raise that billion or two billion dollars in a matter of three months. And because between September and November, it's just going to be uh, constant ads traveling around. You're going to need a lot of money really quickly. And that's when that model of having a twenty seven dollar average contribution might not work out
0: well there you go so (laughs) billionaires it's okay you're gonna still gonna be have a little bit of influence on the american electoral system is that basically what we're coming down
2: i mean yeah but but you are seeing some candidates trying it out
0: the sanders model has actually turned into kind of a cottage fundraising industry this cycle and that could end up being the most lasting legacy from his campaign I spoke to a candidate way down the ballot from the presidential race who's using the same consultants powering Sanders' fundraising to try and get some of that Sanders magic. The firm is called Revolution Messaging. The candidate is DeRay McKesson. He wants to be mayor of Baltimore. He's a Black Lives Matter activist running as an outsider candidate in the Democratic primary. His polling numbers are pretty atrocious, But he succeeded at building a competitive campaign with a large number of small online donors. He's got rich donors, like the CEO of Twitter and the founder of Netflix. He's done some big fundraisers. But really, the big story of DeRay's campaign so far is that he has more donors than anyone else running for mayor this year. All right, we are uh, here at Doobie's, a coffee shop in the Mount Vernon section of... Baltimore, it's a beautiful day, and we're joined by Duray McKesson, who is a candidate for mayor, who has enjoyed great success raising money from small donors in the style of uh, Bernie Sanders. Uh, when you were thinking about how to go about raising the money that you would need to do this, did you make any rules for how your fundraising would work?
4: Yeah, so it was. it's important to me that I am in a position to be able to tell the truth, whatever the truth is, right, and that I can do the work in service of people's lives. So not taking money from developers, people doing business with the city, it is, uh, the average donation is $50. But it wasn't actually hard to make this commitment because it was a commitment that is true to my work at, definitely for the last 18 months.
0: But, I mean, But you're a famous guy, you could have done it the other way, right? Did you think you put yourself at a disadvantage to do it your way versus just going out there and just collecting big checks, which you could have done as well?
4: Oh, so we do. Have, we, we do have funders. Um, the campaign has gotten contributions from people who've maxed out at six thousand dollars. And most of them are people I know. Some of them people I don't know. So, yeah, so we've done that and people have helped us bundle. Uh, but again, there are people in this race who have raised two hundred thousand dollars from 20 people. And that's something I said we weren't going to do. Why was that important to you not to do it that way? Yeah, it's important to not be beholden to special interests in this race. Like, so I can talk about police reform that needs to happen, and I'm, and I'm not beholden to anybody who's donated to the campaign.
0: Do you see a connection between a focus on... You talk a little bit about campaign finance. I mean, you're a campaign finance activist, too. I mean, you're talking about doing fundraising that you can be proud of, a fundraising that sort of carries your message along. Do you see a connection between that kind of activism and the other activism that you've done? Yeah, I think
4: it is. I think they are. I think that they're intimately connected. I think it is important um, that your values show up in every part of the work. And that means that it has to show up in fundraising. So I can justify the money that I've gotten from every organization. Like, you know, it's important to me that I that the people who are donating to the campaign are people whose values are aligned with me, especially corporations um, in businesses.
0: Do you think that you've changed the way campaigns are going to be run in Baltimore when it comes to fundraising? I mean, the fact that you've raised, uh, I, I saw a, a tweet from one of your consultants, Tim Tagaris, that your number of donors was more than all the rest of your opponents combined. combined. Is that having an impact on politics here?
4: I think it shows that you don't need to be a part of the establishment to raise money that's competitive, right? You know, people saw Bernie and people feel like they can never be Bernie, right? Because it's like Bernie Sanders. He's raising like a million dollars an email or something crazy, right? This has never been done at the local level like this before. What I will say is hard is that the way that we think about support is so limiting in local races. So I'm polling low, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if we think about support, it means something that I have the third highest number of donors from the city. But the way we talk about support is so often in terms of uh, the poll.
0: But you feel like that these that your donor number reflects a kind of support too, because this is obviously something that Bernie's dealt with as well. I mean, obviously his polls are better now, but you know when he was getting those huge crowds and getting those huge numbers of donors, people were looking at the poll numbers and saying, "Yeah, yeah." Do you feel like you found a way to make fundraising not a negative story? Because my my read on politics has been, candidates go out there and they and they raise a lot of money. It's a great moment for them right like someone like a Jeb Bush raised a hundred million dollars really fast and everyone's like what a great candidate he is doing so well Hillary Clinton raises a huge amount of money from big fundraiser with George Clooney she just did amazing like what a powerful amount of resources she has but she can't talk much more after that about the money after that you don't want to talk about it people don't want to really get into where they got it from do you feel like with your fundraising model that's different or do you still feel like every time you have to raise money does it kind of like kill your soul a little bit
4: Mm, it doesn't kill my soul it is a lot of time because you need money, to, you legitimately need money to win, and that is the challenge of all campaigns. It is more of a challenge for non-traditional campaigns uh, because if we said that we will just get money from anybody who gives money, then that might make the cash flow more predictable. Mm-hmm. It also might compromise like your values and integrity, and not set you up to do the work that you claim to want to do.
0: So, Trini this is you and me are now back in the studio after our radio magic trip to Baltimore. <laughs> And we're talking – and this is – and so we now have reached sort of the end of this tale. We've told the story of how the experts predicted one kind of election when it came to to money. They all seemed to be wrong because there was – because the voters expected something – wanted something different than everybody thought that they did. Bernie Sanders was able to cash in on that literally, raising huge sums that has made him a much more competitive primary candidate to Hillary Clinton than anybody ever expected that he would be. And we've seen how the model – uh, is useful for other candidates to try and make an attempt to to do a Bernie style campaign right he they, they created at least an infrastructure model other candidates can try to use but we've also talked a bit about how the billionaire donor is not uh gone from politics, right?
2: It's important to remember that campaigns and a lot of these outside groups are still spending a lot of money. Uh, I think we're nearing or have just eclipsed a billion dollars already in the 2016 election cycle. So you're spending a lot of money. I think what's going to change is how that money is spent, somewhat how it's raised. And I I think there's going to be a lot of Um, Looking back after November to look at the different models that were used uh, this cycle, because every candidate kind of tried something new.
0: What do you feel about like let's say we can flash forward to an election 2020 and we have two of these Sanders type model candidates running against each other. Right. If everybody were to do this, wouldn't it lose a significant amount of its sort of rhetorical power on the campaign trail?
2: For sure. I mean, uh, not everyone can do this. And Bernie Sanders has been able to pull this off for now. But it's one of the reasons why he's been able to pull it off is because campaign finance is so central to every policy issue that he brings up. And not a lot of candidates want to do that. Um, a lot of candidates also want to have sort of the security of having bigger checks beforehand, so that they can, you know, plan accordingly and in, in terms of campaign operations. But um, yeah, it'll lose its charm, sort of, if every candidate is doing this. It'll be very interesting to see. I'm sure campaign finance reform advocates would be very excited about that, but I don't know if it would work.
0: <laughs> so here's my question: Here's that because you know the name of the show is "No One Knows Anything," right? Mm-hmm. So uh, do we know anything when it comes to money now? Like after after the few free months of the cycle, do you think we know anything?
2: What we do know is what we thought we knew is wrong. So I don't want to make any more predictions. <laughs> there
0: we go. Uh, great. Well, Trini, thanks for coming in.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: If you run for office, I will give you twenty-seven dollars. Thanks, Evan. <laughs> no one knows anything. Is produced by Meg Kramer, who is here with me to help me read the credits. Meg, who is in charge of editorial oversight?
2: Editorial oversight comes from Catherine Miller and Jenna Weiss-Berman.
0: What about production help? Any of that?
2: Oh yeah, we've got production help from Eleanor Kagan, Julia Furlan, and Antonia Sarahito.
0: Is there anybody else I should thank uh, at a studio perhaps?
2: I think we should thank Paul Ruest. Uh, he's at Argo Studios and he records our show.
0: And what about the, those sweet tunes?
2: Ryan Adams, he composed our music.
0: And our email address? Is no one knows anything at buzzfeed.com. Meg, why should people email us?
2: We would love for you to send us your suggestions for the Evan for America platform beyond putting a cat gif in every pot. Uh, they can also email us to tell us what they think we don't know or to tell us what else we should be talking about on this show.
0: They can follow us on Twitter as well, which is at no one knows. That would be for shorter suggestions, right?
2: Yeah, for suggestions that are tweet length. Uh, We haven't actually tweeted anything yet on that Twitter handle, but maybe if you follow us, we will.
0: And if you like the show, rate us on iTunes. We'll be back next week with more things that we don't know.